Maybe not a real pleasant subject tonight, but it's one that we all deal with, and it's, uh, I feel like it's where, uh, well, last couple times that I've had the opportunity to try to share a little bit of God's Word with you all on Wednesday nights, we've been in the book of James, you all know, and we've been around, uh, we've been around all these verses. We're going to look at verses 13 through 18, but last few times we've looked in the book of James, we've, we looked at verses 2 through um, 12 at trials, and then we looked at the importance of studying God's Word and living God's Word, and those were in verses 19 through 27. So we've been on both sides of these verses, but tonight, like I said, we're going to look at verses 13 through 18. And in these verses, I'll read them here in just a minute, but in these verses, James deals with the topic of temptation. And it's something that we all deal with. You know, maybe I think a lot of times, maybe we don't think of it. Maybe um, we think maybe sometimes that it's always a, a lustful type thing. You know, a, I mean, we're adults here, so I'm just going to say it, a sexual type thing. Well, it's, temptation is far is far broader than that, okay? So I'm going to read James chapter 1, verses 13 through 18. He says, let, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will beget he us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So, um, when we look at when we look at just the first verse here, verse 13, he says, let no man say when he's tempted that I'm tempted of God. So before we go very far, let's look at, look at these two words. Look at verse 2. In verse 2, it says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Okay? And then in verse 13, he says, let no man say when he is tempted that I'm tempted of God. So... We know that in verse 2 through 12, we're talking about the instruction of trials or temptations are used to prove the quality, okay? I want us to make sure, because we're looking at two entirely different points of view here, okay? Two entirely different sets of behavior. Maybe that's a better way to say it, okay? So verse 2 uses the word, like I said, uses the word temptation. But we know that in verses 2 through 12, we're instructed that trials or temptations are used to prove the quality of one's character. Okay, the quality of one's character. We know that God may use trials. Okay, we've talked about this before. He may use trials to test us and to grow us. I mean, he may. We don't know. He may. More than likely, he will. If we've, been on, if we've had a relationship with the Lord for very long, more than likely we've had trials or we've had tests because that's how... God grows us. We all know this. I'm not saying it's enjoyable, but it's a fact. That's how he grows us. So um, we know that God, like I said, he may use trials, but it's always that he directs to us or always for our good. And that's the key thing. If it's coming from the Lord, okay, if we're going through something and it's not anything that we were 
in some way seeking an evil purpose or something, or maybe something out of God's will, if it's coming from the Lord, it's for our good. Now, we may not, we may not see it, and we may not enjoy it, but it's for our good. But it's important that we understand that. So, Warren Wiersbe said this about trials. He said, sometimes the trials are testings on the outside, and sometimes they are temptations on the inside. And we know that trials may be tests sent by God, or, and here's the thing, they may be temptations sent by Satan. Okay, so there's two different, we're talking about two, two entirely different things here. So, and here's the catch. When, the, when Satan sends something our way, it's our fallen nature that chooses to take part in it. I mean, and that's where the problem, that's where we have the problems. When God sends a trial, I mean, when we're going through something, I mean, we've got to make sure that we're staying focused on the Lord. If we're not, you know, this, this you all may disagree, and if you do, speak up. But when we begin to question, or if we begin to question, or we begin to get weary, and we want to substitute some way of our thinking to help with the test or the trial that we're going through, then we're giving in to a temptation, and that's not of God, okay? I mean, that's, that's not a good thing. So in verses 13 through 18, James is dealing with the temptations on the inside. And I kind of like how, how Wearsby looked at that, you know? I mean, because when we think about trials and tests, normally it's things that are going on around us, not always, but a lot of times it's things that's going on around us, things that we're having to interact with. Um, but on the inside, it gets a little... You know, we're, we, we, we talk about the inside. And James is talking about invitations and opportunities sent by Satan to do evil. I mean, that's really what a temptation is. It's an invitation sent to us, and we've got a choice. So there's a very good reason, and there's a very real reason, why James wrote these words in these verses, when you think about it. In verses 13, 13 through 18, after the words in verses 2 through 12. Okay, so let me kind of explain. Like we said, verses 2 through 12 is talking about the trials and the testings that God, that we have to endure at times. And that's how he grows us. One thirteen through 18, if, when we're going through these trials and testings, if we're not careful, the trials and the testings on the outside, they may become temptations on the inside. And you say, well, what do you mean? Well, when our circumstances are difficult, okay, I mean, we've all go through things, right? Circumstances at times can be difficult for about just numerous things, okay? But we may find ourselves complaining against God. We might find ourselves questioning his love for us. And maybe even we might get to the point where we start to resist his will. So don't everybody look at me like... Well, that would never happen to me because I dare say if we've been on the road in a relationship with the Lord long enough, we've all probably at some point in time had difficulties and maybe even questioned or asked, you know, I mean, went through these. So, um, and it's at this point, okay, when we're, when we're, when he, when, when we're, when we're dealing with something and this may be been going on, it's at this point that Satan provides an opportunity for us to escape the difficulty, okay? And that opportunity is a temptation. And we've got to be careful that we're, 
that if, if there's an opportunity, we've got to make sure that it's something that the Lord is directing us to do and not the enemy. That's what I'm hoping this is making sense. If it's not, y'all tell me. Could be. Right. But by doing that, I'm sorry, go ahead, Dave. Right. But by doing that, and, and I guess maybe I'm not getting this, getting the, the thing I'm trying to, to get across here is we either have to make sure that we're following the Lord and his guidance and his direction, or we end up making a decision that's on us, our flesh decision, and that's, to me, that's, that's the thing. People are turning to the bad to the bad side rather than trusting in the Lord. So, but. Right. That's it, which is sometimes is not the right way, all right? So, so when we think about, tempt, you know, about temptation, when we think about it in the Bible, I would dare say probably maybe the first thing that we think about is maybe thinking about the nation of Israel when they were being led out of the promised land, right? I mean, because um, they were led through the wilderness, and there were many times that the Israelites turned testings into temptations. Okay, because what they, I mean, in other words, what I'm saying is God was testing them. He was testing their faith. He was providing for them. He had taken them out of Egypt, but just because things were going a little bit rough, as soon as something went bad, they didn't want to endure the test. They wanted to complain, murmur. Therefore, they were allowing a temptation. They were allowing the, the, the enemy take control of their response rather than trusting in the Lord, if that makes sense. So, um, but let me ask you about this. But what about Abraham? You ever think about Abraham as being, giving in to a temptation? Father Abraham. So turn, if you want, turn back to Genesis chapter 12, if you like. If not, I'll read it. But Genesis chapter 12 What I, I guess what I'm trying to get at, you know, in, on this is, and I believe what James is trying to show us is temptations are, are numerous things, as I said earlier. But our decisions and the way that we respond when we're dealing with something is, is a direct response as to whether we're going to stay in the will of God or rely on ourselves. I mean, that's really what it comes down to, if we're, whether we're going to rely on ourselves or whether we're going to trust the Lord. And when we rely on ourselves... You know, as I studied this, I thought, you know, I don't, I, don't, I don't feel real good about this. Because when I'm relying on myself, I'm not trusting God, and I'm basically obeying the enemy. I'm obeying Satan. Okay, and you, maybe you disagree with me, but I mean, that's, I mean we're, either, we're either trusting the Lord or we're not. 
And when we're not, then, I mean, we're just as, yeah, we're not, we're not, we're not trusting him. We're not trusting, we're trusting in ourselves, and we have, as it's been said, a fallen nature. So what's going to happen when we trust in ourselves is we're not going to make, we don't make good decisions. I mean, we don't make good decisions, especially when there's stress and strain and there's difficulty and there's things that we're having to deal with that we can't fix. I think that's my biggest thing. As I've gotten older, there's been things that have come down my path, our path, that I can't fix. And I've had a hard time dealing with that. I'll just be honest with you. Because, I mean, you know, I'm thinking, Lord, I, you know, let me fix this. <laughs> That's pretty funny, isn't it? Can't fix anything. I mean, honestly, I can't fix anything. But yet, do we not do the same thing? Do we not, after a while, say, well, you know what? You know, I think this will probably help. And nine times out of ten, it probably magnifies the problem or just absolutely doesn't do a thing which, if we're not careful, frustrates us even further. But So Genesis 12, and you say, what does Abraham have to do with this? Look at what God told him in, in, 12, in chapter 12, verse 1. He says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. So in, in verse 1, um, Abraham's, Abraham is, he's called, the Lord has given him the land. Okay, he's given the land, the promised land to Abraham. Okay, in verse 8, he says, And he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and high on the east. And listen to what he did. And there he built an altar unto the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. Okay, so he was seeking out the Lord. Now, in verse 10, what does the Bible tell us? In verse 10, and there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was grievous in the land. Where did the Bible show us that God directed Abraham to go to Egypt? I don't think he did. Correct me if I'm wrong. So this is what I'm saying. There was a Abraham, he took it upon himself to deal with the famine. I mean, I'm not faulting. I mean, he's, okay, but, but I'm using that as an example of our judgment sometimes is not the best judgment if it's not, our judgment isn't the best judgment. If we're not relying on the Lord and relying on what he's asking us to do or directing us to do, then we're relying on ourselves. Does that make sense? I'm hoping. Some of you are looking at me like he's... Things didn't get better. <laughs> that's right. Even as he was coming in, right, Mark? Yeah, he was, that's right. So it didn't get better. So um, I think there's times in all of our lives, I believe, I could be wrong, or maybe there have been times in our lives when we too failed the testing and we fell into temptation, okay? And... And here's the thing, it could be made a decision on our own, maybe that wasn't a good decision, and therefore, you know, whatever else happened, happened. Or, here's the thing, accepted an easier but wrong path. I mean, I think we've all at times maybe been there. So, something to think about, and I hope this is making sense. So, but James here is crystal clear in verse 14. 
Okay, when we go back to James, in verse 14, he's crystal clear. He leads in and says that, that God cannot be tempted in 13 with evil, neither tempteth he any man. Verse 14 is crystal clear. It says, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. That means I want to do what I want to do, and I'm going to go do it. And then, then I'm going to pay the penalty for doing that, if that's my attitude. And that's what James is telling us here. So God cannot be tempted, okay? We know this because he's holy. God does not tempt man, okay? Folks, you know, I, I thought as I was studying for this, I thought at first any time, other than right now, the time that we live in, I mean, there is so much stuff around us that can, that can just, you know, get us off course so easily and cause us to make decisions that are, that are just wrong and, and just not in accordance with God's will for our lives, the importance of us to be grounded in his word. I mean, it's just, there's no, there's no other, there is no substitute. I mean, there is no substitute for that, the guidance and the direction and the grounding that God's word gives us. I mean, I mean I'm telling you, I mean, I've pretty much quit watching the news. I don't, I mean, I, it's just, it's, it's useless. It's a waste of time. I mean, it's a waste of time. I don't have time for it. I mean, I, right here, if I, if I need some time, right here's where I need to spend my time. Okay, I mean, now I'm not walking around with my head in the sand, and I'm going off on a tangent here, sorry, but, but I'm telling you, it's, it's, we have to be, we need to be grounded in his word. I mean, because that's the only way that we're going to live a productive life for him. It's the only way we're really going to have joy and peace. That's just my, that's Greg's thought for the night, so I'll move on. So, but God doesn't tempt anybody, because, and he doesn't tempt man because he's a loving God. Now, he does test us, but he does not and he cannot tempt us. So there's a big difference, a big difference between him trying us, testing us, and tempting us. He never tempts us, ever. So it's very important that we understand this. And whether we like it or not, when we yield to temptation, it is our decision to sin and follow Satan and self rather than the Lord. And I tell you, when I wrote that down, I, I had to sit and think about that, and I thought, you know, that, that's, that's, that doesn't feel good. It doesn't sound good, and it doesn't feel good. And I don't, I don't want to be doing that, I mean, as best I can. So, but, so how, do we avoid, how do we avoid, how do we work to avoid this? How do we work to avoid this? So the Word of God teaches us three facts that we need to consider and apply when we're facing a temptation, Okay? And like James in verse 14, these three facts, they're crystal clear, okay? There's not any, when you look at them, when we look at them, there's not a question as to, well, is it really, is that really what it is? It's crystal clear. It's really what it is. So these three facts need to be constantly in our mind and in our heart. And when I say that, I immediately go back to, that's why it's so important that we have a prayer life. So important that we stay in God's word because without that, it's not going to be on our mind and it's not going to be in our heart. It's not going to be on our mind, I can assure you that, because there's too many other things around us that will get our mind off track if we're not making an effort to be in his word regularly. I mean, that's just how it is. I'll just tell you, I speak from experience. And I dare say probably all of us could probably say there's been times in our lives when we weren't in God's word enough we weren't reading, we weren't spending time with him, 
And the result is you get far, you, you begin to lose your fellowship with him because your relationship is not close. It's that simple. So, so fact number one, when, when difficulties come and we're tempted to try to figure something out on our own or whatever the case might be, fact number one, think about God's judgment. One of these days, we're going to face him. And not only that, the act or the action or whatever decision we might make, there's going to be a judgment for that if it's a, if it's a bad decision. There's going, to be, there's going to be repercussions for that. So we all know the Bible teaches us that sin ends in death. So look at verse 15. It says, Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and, when, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. So death is representative for the believer, to me, as killing our relationship with the Lord. That's, I mean, that's what it is. I mean, we talk about getting far away. Well, I mean, let's just get straight to the point. It's killing our relationship with our Lord and Savior is what it is if we, when we stray away from him. And that's what death means. And it creates a separation in our relationship with the Lord. And, you know, this, this word lust that, that's used here, I mean, like I said, we, we always think about, I think, or some people, whatever, maybe it's just me, you all pray for me, but in a bad way. I mean, we always want to think about it's a, it's, a, it's a relationship type thing, it's a people thing, but it's way, way more than that, way more than that. I mean, the definition, part of it is a longing desire for carnal pleasure. Well, well, all that means is we just want to satisfy self. We just want to do something that makes us feel good. Well, that can be... That can be a whole barrage of things, you know, which are not good, okay? It might be good, we think it's good for us, but it's not. Um, and it's for evil things, desiring to fulfill the flesh. That's really, what, that's really what we're talking about. So yielding to self and the temptation, here's the thing. It doesn't just suddenly happen. And I thought about Pastor Tom's message that he, that he preached uh, on the prodigal son, and he made that comment. You know, he didn't just get up one day and say, you know what, I'm just going to leave. No, he, he'd, been, he'd been pondering that and, and stirring that and churning that for a while probably. So yielding to self and the temptation doesn't just suddenly happen. There's actually four stages that take place. And number one's desire. There's a desire. God has made man, think, I want you to think about this, God's made man and woman, mankind, with normal desires of life. That's, excuse me, that's why he made us. Some of the basic desires, you think about it. I mean, I'm talking about things like eating, drinking, sleeping. Okay, I mean, pretty basic things, right? But those are all desires that, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you, I like to eat. Okay, I mean, and, and I mean, that's, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. So, but there's certain, there's normal desires. So we have to do these things. He's made us this way. We've got to do these things. Otherwise, I mean, if we don't eat and drink, eventually we're going to die, right? And if we don't sleep, at some point we're going to, fatigue's going to sit in, and I mean, we're probably just going to drop, right, if we never sleep. I mean, some folks need maybe less sleep than others, but everybody, I think, needs some level of sleep so but think about this uh, 
Does that mean you don't have to sleep? <laughs> oh, you get good sleep. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but so the so but you follow what I'm saying? I mean, there's desires that, that the Lord's that's how He made man. There's certain things that that are natural to desire. But here's the thing: eating is normal. But the Bible teaches what about eating? Gluttony is sin, right? Sleep is normal, but laziness is sin, right? And so these are fundamental desires of life, but here's the thing. they got to be kept in constant control. And that's, the, and that's kind of where we're heading to with this, is the desires that God has put in all of us I like that Warren Wiersbe said this. He said, the desires that God has put in all of us must be our servants and not our masters. And man, that's, that's something to kind of chew on, isn't it? I mean, that's something to think about. So, desire. So we've got to keep these things, we've got to keep those desires in control. The second one is deception. A temptation, I mean, and again, keep in mind, it's, you know, maybe we come up with a plan. You know, that we're going to fix something. Even though God is telling us, I've got it, you follow what I'm saying. So a temptation always seems more alluring than it really is, right? And when it says entice, I like these definitions. I don't like what it can do to us, but the definitions. It means to entrap, to set a trap, or to bait a trap. You know, I used to, I can remember when I was a little guy and uh, had an uncle that used to, he used to trap some. And I can remember going out in the wintertime. That's when he would do it. And um, he was, I think it was Fox that we were, he, he was trapping. And you never touched, you never touched the trap with your bare hands. He had gloves. You know, he would put scent and stuff on it, but you never touched it because he, he was hiding it. I mean, it was, it was a bait. It was a trap, right, for the, for the animal to be caught in, Right. Same goes for us. The trap that Satan sets, he doesn't put a big neon sign on it and say, here it is, you know. And, and, and again, think about it in terms of when, we're, when we're, we're struggling with something maybe, we're dealing with things. I mean, we gotta be, we got to be careful that we don't get sucked in to the trap. All right? That's the sin nature, is it not? Yeah? Yeah, that's it. And the trap, the trap's always hidden, okay? I mean, always. And the bait, here's the thing. The bait is always attractive. I mean, always. There's so, I mean, he knows, you know, he know, unfortunately, he knows us. Well, I don't know if he knows us as well as the Lord does, but he knows our weaknesses. I guarantee you that. He knows our weaknesses. So the trap's always hidden. The, bait's, the bait is always attractive. And it's always something that appeals to us. I thought about that. It's always something that appeals to us. Like a, kind of like that, uh, y'all laugh, but I found a, I don't even know if they sell them anymore. Those, uh, those fly paper, fly traps or whatever, and all these, you just pull it out and it's all sticky and gooey. I hung one of them things up in my garage. Man, it's amazing. I mean, those things just, it's like, you know, you just like that, Tim, what you're saying. I mean, they're just going wide open and just all at once. You know what? Same way with us. We think we're just going wide open, doing good, and all at once. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
I mean, I like what Leslie said, I mean, about observing. I hadn't thought about that, but they do observe. The enemy is observing us. I mean, no doubt. So, well, y'all can thank the Lord. I think it's 8 o'clock, so. I think I'm out of time. So, I hope, I hope it made a little bit of sense. So, well, that's what it's, I mean, that's what it's all about. You know, it, it, it takes a while. I mean, I, I'll be the first to tell you takes a while for it to sink in on me sometimes. I mean, and, it, I mean, and, it, and that's not my saying that I'm because I'm doing something, some kind of sin. I'm talking about God doesn't just always just say, okay, here, this is what we're doing, and when you get a hold of this, then no, he wants me to understand what it is he's doing. I hope that makes sense. I mean, because to me, that's really what James is telling us. Everything we're going through, he's got a purpose, you know, and, it, and it's difficult sometimes, but if we stick with the Lord, he's going to show us. It's going to be something that, he's going to, that we're going to realize he wanted us to change. I, I believe that, that there's something that I needed to change in every situation, something. Maybe something small, but there's always, I think there's always something that he's looking to tweak a little bit, if that makes sense. So, yeah, yeah. Because, again, this is the stuff that we're carrying around. I mean, we're, that's, the, that's man's nature, isn't it? We always want to look on the bad and not on the good, unfortunately, a lot of times.